The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. was 1781. Mary was in trouble. She was alone. She had been given great wealth 
as a young woman. She had lands and farms. But she was not a farm manager, and those she had placed her trust in, through mismanagement, caused great debt to build up. She soon was stripped of everything. She faced bankruptcy and perhaps even imprisonment, and at the worst, a lifetime of spending her legacy and merely paying the interest on her debt. It was a time of great testing. The furnace heat was unbearable. She wrote in her personal diary, I have a most narrow path to walk in. I am called to live by faith, indeed. As I was at prayer this morning, I was led to ask the Lord that he would bring me out of all of my difficulties in, in his own way. Certainly that the whole earth is the Lord's, and, and I ask of him such a, a situation in life that would most glorify him. It was brought before me. Perhaps that will be by bringing you to entire poverty. I ask my heart, am I willing on that condition to be made holy? And I felt I could say, yes, Lord Jesus, yes. Again, the thought was suggested, per perhaps to a parish house while your income goes each year for your debt. I answered, Thy will be done. It was then represented as, represented as if I was on a common side, dying destitute of every human help or comfort. I felt great sweetness, but the sorest stroke was still behind. What if you should die in debt and leave nothing to pay? And so, through you, the gospel would be reproached. This came the nearest of all. But it was clearly shown me that the fear of the gospel being blamed often arose from our fear of personal reproach. For as to the truth of God, he would take care of them. And if I was really wrong, it would be for the glory of God to have it made manifest so. And if he was but glorified, my soul was content. Certainly, thought I, if it was in my power to break off my expenses, it would be right to do so. And I do right in contriving every way I can toward it. But all my endeavors are always frustrated. I see no way but to cast myself on the will of God and to embrace as his will poverty and deep reproach and still continue to believe in his promises till I see, even by the time of my death, that there has not been an accomplishment of them and my debt remains unpaid. Perhaps, after all, I'm right. Perhaps the day will come, impossible as it is now, 
that I shall have plenty of silver, and then the light shall indeed shine on my way. For fourteen years, the struggle went on, and finally she writes, This year I shall be forty-two years old. It may be that soon after that birthday some deliverance may appear. The words rested on my mind by the way that thou wentest, by that way shalt thou return. Lord, thou knowest what they mean, but if I see all sorts of crucifixions are needed for me, O my heart, heart, what needeth hath of being broken up? This precious woman, who at 24 was very wealthy and by 42 was utterly broken, had one man she loved. She would not say yes to any other. His name was Reverend Fletcher. When he heard about Mary's bankrupt situation. He made no delay in going to her, and she accepted the proposal. Those years before, he had been advised that he did not have enough income to support a wife. But now, these two middle-aged people, after waiting 25 years, set their wedding date and former sorrows were forgotten in the wonderful fellowship and love between these two holy persons. John Fletcher once said that their marriage was one of the few made in heaven. Mary's cup of happiness was running over. But in God's province, they were only to share three years together. And then Reverend John Fletcher, the powerful Methodist preacher, died. And now she was faced again. How was she to deal with her husband's death? She writes, The Lord taught her a way even more perfectly the Lord taught her how to trust in Jesus alone. And Mary's spiritual hunger in those years afterward simply increased every day for Jesus. She loved Jesus with all of her heart. She knew the depths of sorrow and of joy. And she spent considerable time on the question of what is sin. She saw that sin was deliberately choosing to turn out of the presence of God and departing from union with him, drawing back from his attraction. Instead, 
choosing to go to the darkness. Mary's heart was attached to Jesus, cleaving to him by faith. She was led to a very deep view of sin, and it made a profound impact on her conscience. She saw that she was imperfect, but she wanted no sin. She saw she was immature, but no sin. She knew she had to walk clean before God if she wanted to go to heaven. But even more than that, she knew she had to walk without sin if she was to please Almighty God. For that was the issue. It was not her. Her issue was not that she could go to heaven. Her issue was that she did not want to harm or displease the Lord of her life, Jesus Christ. I read some of these stories of these old saints of years gone by and my heart is desperately humbled I see the shallowness of my own heart and the shallowness of this age Jesus said if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. What What do we do with that? Well, I'll tell you what we've done in the modern church with this, and many of you have done this. You didn't want to be ashamed of Jesus and his words, and so you've changed them. You change the picture of Jesus so that he is this loving caricature, loving unconditionally. Yes, Jesus does love us, but not unconditionally. Yes, we can change our words and say, yes, I can walk in sin but I'm saved. I'm saved from what? A bad conscience? Certainly not from sin. I wonder today, how many of you, are you walking in sin? Are you walking in sin today? Or are you utterly unconscious Are you utterly unaware of your spiritual condition before God because you have taken the changed words about Jesus and you have no serious thought, no self-examination? We're here but a short time and then we enter eternity and there is a hell to miss. And there is a heaven to win. And you can live day after day with some faint belief that you are loved by Jesus and everything's going to work out in the end. And all you have to do is just be busy about your job and your work and your family and your pleasure. 
It's not so. It's a lie. Some of you listening right now have have not spent time reading the Scriptures. You'll read books about the Scriptures, perhaps. But isn't it time we just read the Scriptures and said, what do the Scriptures say the Gospel truly is? Preacher, I don't want to hear you tell me what the gospel is. I want to read for myself in the word of God what the gospel is. And I tell you what, when you begin to read what the gospel is, you're not going to hear that it begins with God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear that love is set before sinners as the foremost characteristic of God. Jesus doesn't begin with us that way. The Bible as a whole speaks much more of God's holiness than of his love. Now, we like to talk about the love because that's not threatening to our sinful condition before a holy God and so we'd like to play the video games and we'd like to look at the news and we'd like to watch our movies and we'd like to sit down and watch our favorite shows on the television I've had to cut all of that off I don't do that anymore why because my heart is searching after Jesus And I can just say very plainly to you today that if your entertainment is playing cards with the guys or gambling with the guys, if your entertainment is smoking the cigars with the guys, if your entertainment is going to the television and the internet, if your entertainment is the video games, the gossip, the pornography, if your entertainment is working, making money, you're not walking with Jesus. You're wasting your years. And I'm terrified for many of you because many of you have wasted your years of grace away. And soon the judgment of God will be exercised over your life. How many times I've done a funeral. And they have had a family member stand up and read the eulogy of this man or this woman. And the description is, this was a man who enjoyed life and his friends. He loved his bowling game. He loved to go here or there. He loved his work. He loved his wife. He loved his family. All these were his accomplishments. He was an engineer, and he worked for these companies, and he worked for the government, and he did this, and he did that. but nowhere in the eulogy will you usually find a statement that says he wept over his sin. 
He wept over his hard and rebellious heart. You won't read in most eulogies, she was completely taken up by her love for Jesus Christ. She sacrificed everything for his kingdom. No, you're not going to read that in most eulogies because most eulogies describe a man or a woman who has wasted their years and have gone to hell. If your family were to write your eulogy today, what would they say about you? That you collected old cars? Or you collected antique rifles? Or that you loved to travel? That you loved to go to Tuscany or some other wonderful place for vacation? That you were a loving father and a loving husband? Is that what they're going to write about you? Then you're hell-bound. You didn't know the real Jesus of Scripture. You just knew this phony Jesus, this cotton candy Jesus, this sugar cookie Jesus, this s'mores Jesus. You didn't know Jesus. Now, please hear my cry. There's going to have to be a radical change in your life if you are going to come to the end of your life and be welcomed into the kingdom of God. There's going to have to be a major change. You're going to have to turn the television off. going to have to turn to Jesus. You're going to have to search after him with all of your heart. Please understand, I'm not trying to judge you, but I know what's happening out there. I talk to too many people. One man said to me, you know, I like to listen, Pastor, but I'm a cynical person. Translated meaning, I like to listen to you, Pastor Ray, but I'm not going to make a decision to sell out to Jesus because I'm not sure I'll get what I want if I sell out to him. Well, you will face a judgment. you will face the judgment. So what are you going to do? You think you can be satisfied with the pablum of the modern church? Have a cold heart? Be insensitive to the call of the Holy Spirit in your conscience? Do you think you can be satisfied with that and somehow everything's going to work out for you? It's not going to work out for you. You're going to have to turn back and you're going to have to find what Jesus is calling you to. You know, there's a passage of Scripture in Jeremiah 
Jeremiah, the second chapter, verse 13. It's introduced by, Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So Jeremiah is saying, look, the heavens are appalled at what's happening. They shudder with horror as they look at what's happening. He says there are two primary sins that have been committed. And the first is forsaking him, forsaking the Lord. Oh, they may continue to go to the temple in Jeremiah's time. They may continue offering sacrifices. They may continue to go through their rituals, their Advent rituals, their their books of prayer. They go through all their rituals. But in their heart of hearts, he's saying, you have forsaken Jesus. You're interested in all the things of the world. You have forsaken Jesus. And then he says, I'm the spring of living water. What's he mean? Well, when I was a kid, we had no running water in our house. We were very poor. It's a little 900 plus square foot home out in the country little Inselbrook house no running water so dad decided to find a spring and sure enough not very far away from the house back in the woods there was a wonderful wonderful spring bursting forth flowing continually watercress was growing it was a fresh spring So dad took samples of the water and sent it in to be tested and it came back pure. So he sunk into that spring a large round concrete pipe that would hold water. Cleaned it out, built a lid for it, sealed it, put a pump on it, ran the line into the house and we had fresh streaming water. a spring of living water. He's saying, you have gone to water that is not living. You've gone to dead poison water. You've gone to the television. You've gone to the busyness of our age. You've gone to the modernity of our day. All the technology, all the telephones and computers and the the gadgets you've gone to everything but jesus no time for jesus no time to weep spoke with a man yesterday he seemed tired i asked did you get any rest he said i've been praying He slept for an hour that night. 
He's been praying. What's he been praying for? He's been praying for the revival that starts on Monday, November 4. I'm sorry, December 4. Tonight. There's a revival meeting at the All Saints Anglican Church. He's been in deep prayer and intercession for that meeting. He's also been praying for you who listen to the radio that there would be a radical response, letters, gifts, men and women who would come and participate in the revival. He's been praying for you. He's been praying for the All Saints Anglican Church that's partnering with us. He slept for an hour. All the rest of the night he was awake, weeping before God and crying out to God. After the service yesterday, we said, Brother, go home and just get a few hours of sleep. We don't want you to burn out. But I know he's probably already taken time off work and will probably, by 2 o'clock, be at the All Saints Anglican Church on his face praying for the revival tonight. He wants the spring of living water. And he wants you to have the spring of living water, even as I do. And we're crying out for you. He says, you've dug your own cisterns and broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern is just a tank buried underground with a with a hand pump or an electric pump. You put water in it and then pump it out for your household use. Well, Jeremiah is saying, your cistern that you built for yourself is broken, it's cracked, and the water has all drained away. So everything you try to accomplish drains away. Well, now maybe everything in the world doesn't drain away. Maybe financially you're doing great. And maybe you've got all the God lingo down and maybe you can say all the right words. I've met men like that. But underneath all of their lingo, their hearts are dead. They may have a sentimental appealing in their heart for Jesus but they believe they can continue to walk in sin and be saved they've dug their own cistern a broken cistern that cannot hold water and so holes in your pocket your finances drain away God's judgment begins to come upon you you've no interest in a deeper life in Jesus You don't have a spring of water welling up. You have a dead cistern that you have to pump water into. And then when you pump your water into it, it drains away because your cistern is cracked. It's broken. I just have a sense today that there are some of you listening to this broadcast who are in a desperate place with Jesus. You may have the finances you may you, you may think you need. You may have the nice car. You might even have the house. Or you might be destitute in poverty. 
but there's a desperateness in your life because you're missing Jesus. You've never sold out. You're still playing games with God. You're still thinking you can walk in your sin and still be saved. You're, you don't understand that you're going to be judged by your actions, that God is going to look at what you have done. And then a man will say, well, all of your all of your actions are filthy rags before God. All your righteousness is that filthy. No, it's not. Your actions are filthy rags if they're produced out of the human heart to, to gain acceptance, but not if you have been broken before Jesus and have confessed your faults and given everything into his hands. And then he begins to put in you his own righteousness. He begins to place in you that spring of water. One of the ways you can begin to examine your life is to ask the question, who have I brought to Jesus? Who has been saved because of my testimony? If the answer is no one, you're in trouble. It was only one commission. There was only one commission, and that was to be a fisher of men. And if you don't have a broken heart... If you don't have a broken heart for the lost and the dying, for the pagans, then you don't have the spring of water welling up in your heart and you're operating out of a cistern that the water drains away. There's no Holy Spirit power in your life. And I just... I just have a sense today that there are many of you listening to this broadcast today who know that you are not right with Jesus. You know. Your conscience knows. You've salved it with the lies of the popular teaching about Jesus' unconditional love. You've said nobody can be perfect. We all sin. No, we don't. No, we don't. Who taught you that lie? Some of us have chosen to leave our sin and have dealt with Jesus and he's washed us and made us clean. But the lie that, oh, you can't leave your sin, so everybody sins, so, hey, I'm just like the next guy. We all are doing our best. Well, doing your best is not going to get you to heaven. To say to a rebel, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, is a lie. The truth is that God is holy. He is angry with every sinner at this moment. His sword of wrath already hangs over the head of the guilty and will forever torment him unless he repents and trusts himself to Jesus. God's redeeming love for sinners is found only in Jesus Christ. The sinner is out of Christ. If you say, I sin, you are not in Jesus. 
And you must repent. And you must turn to him. You think God is flexible? That he by no means punish such a wonderful person as you are? Are you kidding me? Salvation is of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is holy and he is righteous. This is not about you. This is about Jesus. This is about God. This is about the righteous King of kings and Lord of lords that we have treated with contempt. If you are walking in sin today, you are treating Jesus with contempt. And you are not saved. And you are on your way to hell. You can be as religious as you want to be. But you are not saved. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? I've seen so many men, men that I I love dearly, but they're all about what they can get for themselves. They go to church to be a consumer, not a builder. They go to a church that affords them the opportunity to have their children in a wonderful Sunday school program. But they take them home and put them in front of the television and for a week feed them utter darkness and then wonder why their children are acting the way they are. My heart is broken today for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will come in great power and confront you with your sin. That you will no longer be lukewarm, playing with darkness, pretending to be a Christian, while all the while not reading the Word of God, not spending nights of prayer, not having deep conviction in your soul regarding righteousness and holiness, having no zeal for God, I was in a worship service recently. We were singing this wonderful, wonderful song, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, Emmanuel. And I saw people kind of mouthing the words, bored, utterly bored. And I wondered, what are they doing in church? Well, the answer is obvious. They were in church because that's where they're supposed to be and they're good boys and girls. So they go week after week, dead to Jesus, dead to life in the cross, just doing church. I can't do that anymore. I will not do that. 
I want the life and vitality of the Holy Spirit to flow in my heart and in my life. I want the presence of Jesus. And I praise God I have that. And I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited about following him. I've laid it all on the line for him. I don't reserve anything for myself. If that means utter poverty, it's okay. If it means losing everything, it's okay. I want Jesus. He's the love of my heart. Can you say the same? Are you willing to be crucified with Jesus Christ? Do you want revival? Do you want revival? Do you want your own life revived with power? Where do you stand today with Jesus? I want to invite you to come to the meeting tonight. Now, I've invited many times, and and frankly, nobody shows up, or very few. I'm praying that will change tonight, that you will lay aside whatever plan you have, whatever distance you have to travel. I'm asking, will you come to a revival meeting where the Holy Spirit will meet us tonight? Praise and worship will begin at 7.30 p.m. at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. And I'm asking, would you come? Would you begin a walk toward Jesus Christ and away from the world, the flesh, and the devil? Would you begin to walk away from being bored and tired? Will you let the Holy Spirit quicken your heart tonight? Will you meet Jesus tonight? Would you come to the All Saints Anglican Church every Monday night, but especially this first Monday night, December 4? 2017 we're going to see God move in revival power the All Saints Anglican Church is located at 14851 Gideon Drive Woodbridge, Virginia 22192 what would it take for you to decide to put out the time and the energy to say, Jesus, I'm serious about you, and I'm going to come. I will be there. That's at 7.30 p.m. tonight at the All Saints Anglican Church, located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. We're literally right off 95 South. It's easy to find us. We're located right beside the Hilton Memorial Chapel or the Hilton Memorial Event Center. Come in the front doors. We'll be in the main sanctuary. There will be greeters there with programs. 
Would you come? Go to our webpage, revivalnow.church. That's revivalnow.church. You'll find all the information you need there on how to get to the church and the time, the address. I'm asking, please, if your heart's been touched today and you know you want Jesus, then come to revival and let Jesus begin to change your heart and make you alive in the Spirit, changing many things that you have thought and believed, but going to the Scripture and finding the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd like to, I'd like to meet you tonight. I'll be there. I'll be speaking. We're working together in partnership with the All Saints Church. They're hungry for revival. We'd like to meet you there. Now, I'd like to give you another address. If you'd like to support the work and ministry of Pilgrim's Progress, the National Prayer Chapel, would you send your offering, your tithe, to the National Prayer Chapel, just mark it, Pilgrim's Progress, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22. One nine five. Almighty God, King of all the earth, I come now to pray. I come to pray for those who are listening to this broadcast today. Lord, you know if they're walking shallow if they're walking in sin, you know if they're walking in dishonesty before you. You know if they are deep into pornography. You know if they're committing adultery or fornication. Lord, you know if they are seeking after wealth as though that were their God. Lord, you know. You know whether husbands are cursing their wives, even hitting them, abusing them. You know, Lord, whether wives are yelling and screaming at their husbands and at their children. You know, Lord, whether they're doing pot or alcohol or tobacco you know Lord if they're spending hours every night watching the wickedness of television being consumed by the violent video games 
Lord, you know the spiritual condition of every person who's listening right now to this broadcast. I'm asking, please, as a sovereign work of grace, will you turn their hearts now to you, Jesus? Would you cause them to leave their sin now by a decision of their will? For, Lord, you will not do it. They must do it. They must leave their sin by an act of their will. They must say, I choose you, Jesus. Would you come with mighty power and show every person listening the spiritual condition of their heart? Would you uncover every wicked thing in every man's heart, every woman's heart, every boy and girl's heart? Lord, would you cause your glory to be seen, your holiness to be seen? Almighty God, you are the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And I just come praying for my brothers and my sisters right now. I know there must be a change in the church and there must be a change in America and I know the change that must take place is men and women leaving their sin and getting serious with you and seeking after you with all of their heart but Lord revival must begin with me and with each who is listening Revival is my decision to begin a new life of obedience to you. I'm asking, Lord, for many now today who would confess their sins, who would honestly repent and forever renounce their sin and come and stand before you and bless your holy name. Almighty King, Lord of heaven and earth, would you make this so today? I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. It's time for revival in America. It's time for revival now. I don't want to talk about revival. I want revival now in your heart to spring up for you to make a decision to leave the shallowness of your life, to turn aside from all the busy activities, to come to revival. Would you come tonight at 7.30 to the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia? Will you pay the price, whatever is necessary, to be there? Cancel whatever you have scheduled. It cannot be nearly as important as coming and getting right with Jesus, confessing your sin, repenting, 
being washed and made clean. I would love to have you there. I'd love to meet you and pray with you. Would you take the action necessary to plan now to be at the All Saints Anglican Church at 7.30 tonight for revival now? Again, I invite you to go to our webpage, revivalnow.church, revivalnow.church. All of the information in terms of address and location will be given there. I know the world, the flesh, and the devil has so encroached on the life of those who call themselves Christians that you don't have time to come. I pray you will make another decision and that you will say, Yes, Pastor, whatever it costs, I will be there. I want to meet you. I want to pray with you. My brother, my sister, I want you to go to heaven with me. I want you to walk clean in Jesus with a mighty testimony of his goodness to you. And I want you to win many to Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.